Good morning, Alaska. Welcome to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. Like it or not, dealing with angry, upset people is inevitable. It's how we approach these interactions that determines the toll they will take on our psychological well-being. Learning some simple steps can help you deal with high-conflict situations in a way that calms people rather than continuing the escalation. As a result of his 25-plus years of experience in dealing with high-conflict people, attorney, therapist, and mediator Bill Eddy has created an effective, low-conflict approach to dealing with difficult people in emotionally charged situations. His EAR approach, Empathy, Attention, and Respect, gives anyone an easy tool that is highly effective at calming upset people and de-escalating high-conflict situations. Bill Eddy is a lawyer, a licensed clinical social worker, and is one of the world's leading experts on high-conflict personalities. Bill Eddy teaches and trains people all over the world and is the author of numerous books on the subject of how to deal with high-conflict people. His newest book, Calming Upset People with EAR, is the focus of today's conversation. Welcome back to Line One, Bill. Thanks so much, Prentice. Glad it, to be on again. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. I think this is our our fourth or fifth show um, together over the years. It's. I was looking back. I think it's been since 2014 um, that we uh, 2014 or 15 when we we did our first one. So um, it's been great having you on. A great set of resources that we've sort of collected. So uh, welcome back. Uh, As always, we encourage listener participation, so please don't hesitate to join us today. Our Anchorage phone number is 550-8433. You can reach us toll-free outside of Anchorage at 188-353-5752. And the last way to get your question or comment on the air is to email us at line1 at alaskapublic.org. Typically, the phone lines fill up the last 10 minutes of the show, and we run out of time to take them. So if you have a question or a comment about today's topic, please give us a call after we kind of get into it a little bit here. Okay. Um, I guess let's start off, Bill, with uh, give us a little bit. You're both a social worker and an attorney. That's an interesting combination. Um can you fill us in a little bit on your background? And I guess for me, a, a curious question, I don't think I've ever asked you this, is which part of your education came first? And, and what was your thinking as, as you added the other piece? Why did you add that? Well, excellent question. So first, I really was a clinical social worker. And so I was doing child and family counseling, worked in psychiatric hospitals, outpatient clinics, substance abuse, depression, child abuse, all that. But I really liked conflict resolution and decided that I wanted to do mediation, which is sitting down solving a specific problem, including legal problems like divorce and custody issues, because a lot of those were showing up in my counseling practice. So I decided to go to law school so that I could primarily do mediation But while I was in law school, I realized, you know, I could use this in family court, too. So I figured I'd spend two years in family court and then just do mediation. Well, I ended up spending 15 years in family court 
and then switched to just mediation. But what happened while I was doing that, and this goes with your question, coming from a clinical social work background, I really thought of people as operating in a system that everybody influences each other. And even if there's one person, let's say, committing domestic violence, the whole family has adapted and shifted around that. And so you've got to get the whole family to adapt and shift if you're going to deal with that kind of problem. So I really learned to see things in a systems approach. But I also learned that you can change how you feel. And this was the cognitive therapy piece. You can change how you feel by what you tell yourself, what you write down and short phrases you tell yourself. And that got me into developing these techniques, including calming upset people with EAR. Yeah, so you're like a... I don't know, a compassionate uh, lawyer? Is that like what a social worker <laughs> lawyer combination <laughs> gives you? Because I am, you know, I, I met you first and you did uh, a training, uh, the High Conflict Institute, which you started, which I'll ask you a little bit more about. Um, you did a training uh, on high conflict divorces and I sat in on that and was fascinated. Um, but the divorce system, I mean, the that whole system where people can't talk anymore and lawyers uh, continue to escalate and people end up with fifty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 in legal bills, it just eats people alive, doesn't it? And it sounds like that's what you wanted to try to reduce is the toll. Very, yes, very much so. So I was doing mediation like in the afternoons and going to court in the morning and it became clear to me that what was driving the high conflict cases was personalities and mental health problems and not issues. And I was thinking, we got to get these issues out of court, but we have to find ways to help calm upset people like with personality disorders. And so that became a lot of our focus in founding High Conflict Institute. And now it's exciting. I get to train lawyers. I get to train judges. I get to train mediators, counselors um, in a different set of skills to shift it from kind of a win-lose approach to a win-win approach. And these are some of the skills that help with that. Yeah, because so much of that divorce process is emotionally driven and so much of the conflict is because of hurt and anger and resentment and feelings that things aren't fair. Um, so trying to, to sift through all of that and keep the focus on problem solving is uh, quite a task. Um, all right, before we get too much into to EAR, we're going to jump into that, but I'd like for you to, you just mentioned the high conflict conflict institute but i'd like you to talk a little bit about you said you've written five books this year during covid in the last 18 months or so uh you've been yeah. busy um can you talk a little bit about some of your books and uh that you've come up with recently just a, a highlight and what they're you know how people can use them what they can expect when they read one of your books because i like the way you set your books up yeah, so two of them are on our BIF method, and BIF is for brief, informative, friendly, and firm written communication. So I already had one little book out on that, and we did a second one that's 
uh, BIF for co-parent communication, which is very much to conflict divorce, like you were saying. We also have BIF at work because we branched out with High Conflict Institute from being starting out really focused on family law and how to calm those high conflict divorces. And people in the workplace said, we need this because we got a high conflict unit or a high conflict boss or employee. So we have a book called Biff at Work. Each of those books, Biff for Co-Parents and Biff at Work, have about almost 30 examples of what not to write and what to write. Right. Then, then um, there was a uh, book that I had actually done 10 years ago called Splitting. And so I wrote the second edition. And that came out, that just came out July 1st. But so I don't know if I get credit for writing a whole book with that because it was <laughs> updating. Right. <laughs> but then there's one that really put like 40 years into, in a sense, and that's mediating high conflict disputes. It's geared to mediators, right. but anybody can use it that finds themselves in the middle of other people's conflicts that they're trying to calm down because they say what to do, but also what not to do. So that's uh, one, two, three, four, and then the new book that just came out, Calming Upset People with Ears, E-A-R. So that's five books. That's, you've been busy. I guess you put your uh, time to use sitting around the house. That's, that's right. With COVID, I, all my travel and yeah. training, just uh, it either shifted to Zoom or waited until next year. So I had a lot more time on my hands. Yeah, because so much of your work is traveling around and, and doing these trainings for lawyers and social workers and, and people in the business. Um, all right. So for those of you who might be tuning in late, my guest today is high conflict expert Bill Eddy. Bill is a licensed therapist, an attorney, and a mediator. And he has spent his entire career dealing with high-conflict people in a variety of settings. Today, we are discussing his new book, Calming Upset People with EAR, How Statements Showing Empathy, Attention, and Respect Can Quickly Diffuse a Conflict. So as always, you can reach us in one of three ways. Our Anchorage number is 550-8433. You can reach us toll-free outside of Anchorage at 1-888-353-5752. And the last way is you can email us at line1-at-alaskapublic.org. Um, for anybody, the Biff book, I just want to give a shout-out for it because I use it and I give it to my clients. Anytime you're – it just is such a great manual for how to write an appropriate email um, and how to take your emotions out of it and just be brief, friendly, factual, and firm. Um, so it it seems kind of like one of those, like look in the mirror and, you know, the Stuart Smalley, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Um, some of that stuff that we do seems really obvious, but it's hard to write a good email. And so that book, um, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's doing a lot of communicating via email or writing and having some challenges. So on to, uh, E-A-R, Calming Upset People with E-A-R. Can you talk about the origins, um, sort of where this book came from, uh, and why you wrote it? 
Yeah, so this is uh, comes from 15 years ago. Um, I was actually dealing with a lot as a mediator as well as a lawyer, having come out of being a therapist. And so I was trying to calm a lot of conversations using more counseling kinds of methods. And empathy, of course, is a big part of that. So I had a high-conflict uh, divorce mediation uh, the guy was pointing his finger about six inches from my nose, telling me what I had to do. And my temptation was, you know, my amygdala <laughs> said to strangle him. And, and my prefrontal cortex said, no, no, you don't do that in mediation. Um, you got to come up with something better. And so I thought back to when I worked in a psychiatric hospital and was taught to use empathy with people. Like I worked with people with schizophrenia, and you don't argue reality with people with schizophrenia. I was trained to empathize with their pain. So I empathized with this guy that was pointing his finger at me, and I said, wow, I can see how important this issue is to you. And don't worry, we'll take as much time to discuss your concerns as we need, and I respect your preparation because he had all these financial spreadsheets. And so he calmed down. And I was teaching around that time other training mediators and so I said, you got to give them empathy, give them attention, give them respect. And then it developed into a, a technique. So now the technique is called ear statements, and it's basically a sentence that says something empathetic, like I can see how important this is or how frustrated you are. And then paying attention, I'll pay attention, tell me more I want to understand or respect, you know, I respect your commitment to solving this, you're, uh, you're doing a good job in the workplace here, whatever you can say that's honest about respecting them. And any of those three or all three put together can be an ear statement. And usually within 30 to 60 seconds, people calm down because they realize you're not fighting with them. Yeah, it's it's amazing how quickly I can either escalate a situation or de-escalate a situation just by how I show up. And if I begin to argue or push back, as opposed to the, the dad who's really upset and yelling at me, like in your situation, and I, and I can say, wow, I, your, your kids are really, really important to you. Like, clearly, you're very bad. This is like something that's that's significant in your life, right? And so I can tell how much you love your kids. Um, exactly. And you can just watch people sort of soften, uh, which is, it's, it's a really, um, it's a neat experience to have. So before we, uh, go any further, I got a, a, a call, um, who's been on hold for a few minutes. Uh, you're on line one with Bill Eddy. Go ahead. Hi. Um, I am often the, um, hot off the handle kind of girl, um, and so would these books be helpful for me in that I need, it's just so immediate. I get so angry when I'm confronted or anything like that. And so I am generally, I would think the problem that you would need to de-escalate. De de huh. so, so what do I do? Oh, well, I love that call and I appreciate your like candor and just 
Right. I am. What if I'm the problem? That's a great question. Bill, would what can people who are aware of these challenges in their lives, uh, would your book, books benefit them and what can they do? Absolutely, yes. What I would think is by the time you've read the 28 examples in this book and get to the end of it, you're going to have it. You're going to know this is what I need to do. And a big part of it I have at the end of the book is calming yourself. And so giving yourself an ear statement is saying, you know, I respect your honesty. I respect your openness about wanting to change. Um and I'm going to pay some attention to this. Maybe I'll write down something to give myself some encouraging words. But the idea is if you can give yourself empathy, attention, and respect, it gets easier to give it to other people. The other thing, and I know what you mean when you say, I just file the handle, is that when someone's suddenly in your face and angry, we have mirror neurons in our brains that say, do the same thing back. And, you know, defend yourself by being angry, too. And you can override that. And that's the thing we've learned as human beings is we can override our impulsive responses. They say in many ways that's what adolescence is, is learning what's a crisis, what's not a crisis, and how to not respond in a lot of situations. And so it takes practice. And unfortunately, we're living in a world right now where there's a lot of anger being openly expressed. So our brains kind of go, oh, this is cool. This is okay. But it's not really cool. It's not really okay. And that's why I wanted to create a simple technique that anybody can learn and apply. It just takes practice. So I think you've got a great chance just saying, I want to change this um, is the key to doing it different. And you'll be happier and the people around you will be happier. Right. And I will say um, it's it's really good news when people have insight right into their own behavior. It's good news for them. It's good news for the people who love them, because if they have that insight, then they're capable of change. A true high conflict person, the personality disorders that you speak about in so many of your books, they just don't have that insight. Um, they don't have that self-awareness. Exactly. It's everyone else's fault. So our caller has a good chance of overcoming that with, um, you know, with, well, we'll talk a little bit about emotional regulation after the break. So we'll talk about where those automatic responses come from, but I would like to, uh, read an email real quick. Uh, from Caroline, who it's a great question, just what you mentioned about our polarized society right now. She'd like to know if mediation has gotten more difficult lately with the polarization and the combative nature of everything. Um, does that change how you have approached things, Bill, or have you seen more of it in the last year and a half, two years, three years, the political environment? Um, how, is, how has it changed? Good question. Yeah. Good question. I'll, I'll hold. You want my answer now, or yeah, go ahead. Minutes? We got it. We got a minute or two before our break. Okay. Yeah, I think in some ways it's harder, but if people come to mediation, that's already half half the solution. And what I find is giving them tools and structuring the mediation process uh, can really bring people together. 
Um, the big problem is, I think, anger in our society is anger at people people don't know or people who are far away. Right. It's a lot easier to hate somebody at a distance than it is across a table. So mediation's actually becoming used more and more these days, especially because courts aren't as open as they usually are. So I think it's harder in some ways, but I think we have the answers, and it also is a good method to use. Okay, well, we are at our 20-minute break, so we will go ahead. Uh, if you're just tuning in, my guest today is high-conflict expert Bill Eddy. Bill is a licensed therapist, an attorney, and a mediator, and he has spent his entire career dealing with high-conflict people in a variety of settings. Today, we are discussing his new book, Calming Upset People with EAR, How Statements Showing Empathy, Attention, and Respect Can Quickly Diffuse a Conflict. As always, you can reach us in one of three ways. Our Anchorage phone number is 550-8433. You can call us toll-free outside of Anchorage at 1-888-353-5752. And you can email your questions or comments to line1 at alaskapublic.org. you got to spell out line1, L-I-N-E-O-N-E. After this short break, I'll return to our conversation with Bill Eddy. I'm Prentice Pemberton, and this is Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. You're listening to Line One from Alaska Public Media. You can find Line One on alaskapublic.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The Alaska State Library Talking Book Center has audiobooks and more for children and adults who are unable to read standard print. Learn more at talkingbooks.alaska.gov. This message sponsored by the Alaska Library Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. For anyone who might be tuning in late, my guest today is high conflict expert Bill Eddy. He is back for a conversation about his newest book, Calming Upset People with EAR How Statements Showing Empathy, Attention, and Respect Can Quickly Diffuse a Conflict. As always, we welcome your questions or comments, so please don't hesitate to give us a call or send an email. Our email is line1 at alaskapublic.org. You can call us in Anchorage at 550-8433, or you can reach us toll-free from anywhere you might be listening at 1-888-353-5752. Okay. Um, all right, Bill, let's go into a little bit about, like, um, well, before I do that, actually, I have a, an email that I don't quite understand, but um, it starts off with what a pro. That's speaking of you, Bill. Um, so <laughs> that's nice. Uh, the danger for non-professionals, I found out, if you use EAR, then it will be expected of you. And that's no good in a friendship. Um, but I don't know if I wouldn't. I, maybe I don't understand the question, but it seems like EAR is uh, a really good thing to use in a friendship, wouldn't it? I would say so. And, and any and kind the thing of is some, 
it feels to people like you're giving up something, but you're not. Right. And that's the key is you can give empathy and give attention, give respect and still have your opinion, have your needs, set limits, etc. So you don't have to give up anything. It seems like there's um it takes a lot of self-regulation. So let's go a little bit into emotional regulation. What does that term mean and why is it so difficult to do? Well, it's interesting, and, and I was really researching this before I wrote the book. In the beginning of the book, I explained this. First of all, our brains are made to respond very quickly to danger. And so if someone's angry, um, they're in-your-face angry, your amygdala is kind of the part of your brain that goes, watch out, you're in danger, stop everything else, and run or fight or hide. Yeah, that is and a so threat. Your amygdala, yes, and and so you you feel the threat and instantly start doing one of those things, unless you've trained your amygdala that this isn't dangerous. And a real quick example is a uh, hundred years ago when movies were just coming out, there was a movie of a locomotive coming at the audience, and the audience jumped, you know out of their chairs <laughs> because they thought they were in danger, but it was just a movie. Today, you watch TV, you see people get shot, you see things, bombs coming at you, all that stuff, and you don't flinch because you've trained your amygdala over these years. So a lot of it is how well-trained your amygdala is, and it's easier for professionals to deal, like counselors, to deal with an upset person in an office um, but for friends, coworkers, et cetera, you can also train yourself to override that amygdala response. There's also mirror neurons. Our brains tend to want to mirror the behavior we see others doing. So your mirror neurons say, well, they're standing getting ready to fight, so I'm going to stand and get ready to fight. But you can override that again. The prefrontal cortex of our brain is really in charge. And you can say, calm down, amygdala, calm down, mirror neurons. We're going to give an ear statement here and calm the whole situation down. So you can override your biological responses to some extent, and that's what emotion regulation is. Um, you're talking about uh, desensitization is the, the thing that keeps popping into my mind. You're desensitizing your amygdala. You're, it's sort of like exposure therapy, right? You're, you're putting yourself in a situation and you're practicing remaining calm, um, that's why, you know, the, the movies, as you get older, they're not as scary, as you mentioned. Um, the mirror neurons are interesting. In the book, you talk about, like, if you walk out of the bathroom or something and everybody's running away from the beach yelling, you just start running. You don't wonder if there's a wave or, a like, hear mirror neurons firing and there's a group going that way fast and they seem afraid. So I'm going to go that way. Is that? Yeah, it's helped us survive over all these uh, thousands of years. Okay, uh, we have another caller from Anchor Point. Kristen, you have a, a question for Bill? Uh, yes, I was wondering if he's ever done or have worked with uh, police departments and uh, troopers in uh, training them how to, to engage with people and not end up killing them. <laughs> good, 
Good question. And yes, we have. Um, as High Conflict Institute, um, I've been involved in some training, and we also have uh, a police officer who's done some training uh, with us for uh, police departments. So that is something we're starting to do. And they like the ear technique because it's just a simple, you know, empathy, attention, and respect. But part of it is teaching people not to overreact. And I have an example uh, in the book, two examples, two police encounters, one with an adult son and the mother called because the adult son has mental health issues, probably schizophrenia, and he's starting to get dangerous and how the officer calmly takes care of the situation. And another was protesters uh, after the uh, George Floyd uh, death last year. Right. And the protesters, there were some protesters that the police calmed down. You don't hear about those in the news, but there are good techniques. Yeah, that's not nearly sensational enough if somebody goes in and de-escalates. Um, nobody gets shot or beat up. Uh, that's a good point. Um, but there are, like, uh, more police departments, to add to that, are getting trained in different crisis response you know, techniques and how to deal with the mentally ill, not specifically with EAR, but in other ways that are, are de-escalation techniques. So I think it's coming around um, more of this attempt attention or empathy, attention and respect sort of statements. Um, so somebody, uh, the email, I got another email from the person from before. It said s that Bill doesn't realize his advice can be quicksand for non-professionals. But uh, having read this book and having read a lot of your other books, uh, the writer says there's lots of con high conflict personalities around. And if you start doing this, you'll step in that quicksand. But it seems like, I mean, who's this book for? It's not just for lawyers and therapists. I mean, who can benefit from reading this? Um, yeah, it's designed for everybody. In other words, we've been teaching this as High Conflict Institute to professionals for a dozen years, and I developed it before we even started High Conflict Institute. But more recently, realizing we really need to teach the general public um, these skills. But one thing I say in the book is if you give somebody an ear statement and it doesn't go well, um, you can back off from that and talk about problem solving or leave the conversation. I also say that there are some situations that are dangerous. If you're in a dangerous situation, right. don't solve it with an ear statement. Solve it by getting away <laughs> from the dangerous situation. But let me, I can give an example uh, if you want. Of yeah, course, please. Someone was actually, someone was held up at gunpoint. Um, and, I, and it's an example, a stranger situation in the end of the book uh, where a man had uh, escaped prisoner, had killed three people that morning. He was on the loose. It was on the news. And he grabs this woman as she's, um, you know, going into her apartment, holds her at gunpoint for about eight hours. And what she does, to me, is use ear statements. She calmed him. She empathized with him. Um, she was arrested once, I think, for drunk driving, may have spent the night in jail, and empathized with him that it's, you know, hard being in jail. Um, she paid attention, let him talk. 
uh, and paid gave him some respect for something that he did that was respect worthy. And she also found he had a three year old child and he she had a, a seven year old daughter. And so she connected in the worst situation right. and was so successful that she he let her go free the next morning and she talked him into um turning himself into the police without a fight. So it's not impossible, but if you find it's quicksand in a particular situation, then certainly don't try this and get out of the situation. Um, It's so funny that you told that story, and it just triggered a memory that I had from from childhood and one of our really good family friends. This is, you know, 40 years ago. I think I was 13 or something. Um, A man who was also escaped— and the, the police were looking for him, broke into their house early in the morning, tied them up, held them at gunpoint for about 10 hours, I believe. I'm, I'm sure I'm uh, butchering the details of the story, but um, essentially that's what the parents did in that situation. They began talking to him, asking him questions about his family. The wife uh, it untied her, and I think she made him some breakfast. Um, you know, it was just like they humanized themselves and him Um and he ended up, you know, leaving and then calling somebody to come untie them. Um, so it was uh, wow. another one of those sort of stories. And, and you brought up so well the importance of getting to know somebody. It's so hard to to have that sort of venom and vitriol for someone that is sitting across from you that's listening to you and, and demonstrating care. Um, yeah. Wow, that's that's another amazing example, and it's, it can be so frightening, and yet this is a tool you may be able to use to stay away from harm sometimes. Okay, I got an email. Um, says it's for the lady who called wanting to overcome her impulses, um, and the emailer says we all have ways of interacting with others. Some people more res- uh, have more response styles than others. Dysfunction is the inability to change style to match a circumstance. Enraging one's re- oh, uh, enlarging one's repertoire of response patterns, reactions, and ways of thinking is something anyone can benefit by. Locking yourself into just one response pattern is a recipe for continued disastrous relationships. Right, doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting a different result um, is the definition of insanity. So. I guess, Bill, like thinking about our automatic responses, like why is it harder for some people, like maybe people who have uh, come from traumatic backgrounds or, you know, don't have some of those uh, deeper psychological skills of, you know, of empathy and understand, like why do some people have such a difficult time with that regulation? Well, I think there's really three, three factors to think about. And especially this is part of how we grow up to be who we are as adults in our personality development. One is your genetic tendencies. When you're born, what your tendencies are. And some people have a shorter temper. Some people are more calm and laid back, um, just how they're born. Um, also, early childhood, as, as you, you know, is huge, and a lot of people get counseling for things that happen in their early childhood. If you're raised, say, with parents, one or both are being very reactive, then you learn that's how you need to be. Right. And, and then the other is the culture. 
And that's part of it is today's culture is encouraging um, loss of impulse control, encouraging uh, negative statements, uh, you know, instant gratification. Yeah. So all all of this is um, can contribute. But as as the uh, listener and emailer said, by adding to your repertoire of responses, this is something that just about anybody can add and try it out. I didn't think this really would work that much early <laughs> on. And then I kept seeing it work. And it's like, oh, this does work. I'm going to keep trying it. Yeah. And how often does it work in your experience? I don't know if you've done much, I mean, actual research or if it's just more like life experience, your responses, but what's the feedback you're getting on how effective this is as a tool? Um, it's totally from my experience, and I would say about 90% of the time. So I deal with, in my work, a lot of high-conflict people. You know, I've done high-conflict mediation where yeah. both people get angry at me. <laughs> and it's like they're going to get angry at everybody. And I'll give them a near statement. In a lot of cases, it works, but occasionally it doesn't. So I'd say about 90% of the time. So if somebody gives an ear statement and it doesn't seem to get anywhere, I'd say give a second ear statement. And if that doesn't get anywhere, forget about it and focus on problem solving or getting away from the situation. All right. I have a few more emails coming in that I'd like to uh, – I'll read one more and uh, before – our final break. Uh, I work in the professional field of community mental health for individuals with severe mental illness, so SMI. An evidence-based practice that I use daily with clients is motivational interviewing. Um, my question is, can you use ear statements with MI um, while working with conflict resolution? Absolutely. And what I think because I've been practicing and teaching this for 15 years, it becomes part of my work with any clients. Right. Um, I'm just aware of, oh, I just said an ear statement. They're frustrated filling out a form or they, you know, they're angry at each other. And I'm saying, wow, well, I can see, you know, how hard you're trying and, and I can see how hard you're trying. And, and it just, it becomes kind of a natural part. So certainly with motivational interviewing, I think you're going to end up with statements that show empathy, attention, and respect. The other thing I wanted to say is when I was a therapist, I worked in a psychiatric hospital, and some of the patients, I worked on a unit there with patients with head injuries. And so they're angry all the time. They had short tempers and while I didn't know, didn't think about ear statements, I was told, you know, we really want to use empathy, that that really helps them calm down. And it did. So I think, especially with people with mental health issues, this is something to do just a lot of the time. Um, yeah, like I tell, uh, I tell a lot of people, and I think I'm going to switch to ear statements, but I tell a lot of people that empathy and curiosity which is is really sim uh, you know similar to attention and respect like cuz you're empathizing i hear you're frustrated and can you tell me more about that or or why did it make you feel like get curious is what i tell people and ask questions um people love to talk 
Uh, motivational interviewing for people who aren't familiar with that is a, an approach to therapy that involves really like getting people to increase their internal motivation, like moving it from an external motivating force to an internal drive because people are more likely to do something if they are motivated to do so. So yes, motivational interviewing I think is perfect with ear statements. Um, just about, I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's all ear statements, all this stuff ties in. So that was, that's a great question. Um, all right, Bill, we are, we're going to go ahead and take our 40 minute break on time. Um, we are at the 40 minute point in our show. So, uh, we will come back in just a, just a couple minutes. If you're just tuning in, my guest today is high conflict expert, Bill Eddy. Bill is a licensed therapist an attorney and a mediator trained in dealing with high conflict people in a variety of settings. Today, we are discussing his new book, Calming Upset People with Ear Statements, which is a empathy, attention, and respect, um, and how these statements showing empathy, attention, and respect can quickly diffuse a conflict. As always, we welcome your questions or comments. Don't hesitate to give us a call or send an email. Email is line1 at alaskapublic.org. Our Anchorage phone number, 550-8433. Our toll-free number outside of Anchorage is one 888 After this short break, I will turn to the rest of our conversation with Bill Eddy. I'm Prentice Pemberton. This is Line 1, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. Line One, your health connection, comes to you from Alaska Public Media and is made possible with support from Providence Imaging Center with over 30 years of commitment to the community with a comprehensive patient-centered focus approach. Learn more at provimaging.com. Welcome back to Line One, your health connection on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Prentice Pemberton. For those of you who might be tuning in late, my guest today is high conflict expert Bill Eddy. Bill is a licensed therapist, an attorney, and a mediator who specializes in dealing with high conflict people. Today's discussion is focusing on his new book, Calming Upset People with EAR, How Statements Showing Empathy, Attention, and Respect Can Quickly Diffuse a Conflict. As always, we welcome your questions or comments, so please don't hesitate to give us a call or send an email in the next oh, 10, 15 minutes or so so we can get you on the air. Our email is line1 at alaskapublic.org. You can call us in Anchorage at 550-8433. That's 550-8433. And the last way to reach us is our toll-free number, which you can call from anywhere you might be listening. It's one 888 353-5752. All right, another email. We'll uh, jump, jump right into this. This is from Dick. Um, can the ear process be helpful or useful when responding to high conflict situations, statements, positions, etc., on social media? Too often I want to do a tit for tat, but that only leads to an escalation. Um, is this uh, applicable uh, in social media? And and I get that. Like you get into these back and forths on <laughs> on the political spots, and it, it doesn't ever change anybody's opinion. Um, so what's how does ear can it be applied to to that? 
It can be. Um, I should mention that I developed the Biff method for writing. I was going to say it sounds like a Biff. Media. It sounds like a Biff approach. Yeah. yeah, the thing with ear statements is they're usually, you know, in person, over the phone, on Zoom, or uh, uh, you know, just standing next to the person. The idea is that you can put more more nonverbal energy into calming them down, your tone of voice, your facial expression, your hand gestures, etc., with an ear statement. But you can. You can do that on social media and say, you know, I hear your frustration. Um, we'll have to agree to disagree. You know, I, I want to understand your point of view. Uh, but Biff really is designed maybe to be more of an arm's length so you don't really engage people as much. Just brief, informative, friendly, and firm, and then get out. So I would suggest if you're looking for social media is that you look at our Biff book. Um, and the first book is called Biff, Quick Responses to High-Conflict People, Their Hostile Emails, um, and social media meltdowns. So I think you may find that a little more helpful, but you can use your statements anywhere. So I don't want to discourage that. Well, maybe it's a new book for you, Biff on social media. Um, so, yeah, I'm thinking ear statements do require so much nonverbal um, communication, like getting... You know, if somebody's escalated emotionally, you don't want to tower over them physically or stand above them, right? You get down to their level. So much of your body language is soft, is is your arms are open. Um, that's all part of the ear or that empathy and attention, right? It really is this, yeah. well, I want to say active yeah. listening, but there's a difference between ear. Well, maybe you can explain that to us. What's the difference between an ear response empathy, attention, and respect versus the active listening um, that we all learn. If anybody who's been to counseling, you know, Couples Counseling 101 earned, learns the active listening. What's the difference? Yeah, so with active listening or reflective listening, you're telling them what you're hearing. So let's say somebody's angry at you for being 10 minutes late. And so you say, I hear that you're angry because you can acknowledge the emotion and you're angry at me about being 10 minutes late. Is that correct? Well, with ear statements, we're trying to give the person something, not just reflect back what they said. And we're also trying to connect with empathy with what's underneath the anger. So if someone says, you know, you're 10 minutes late, Bill, and I'm angry with you. I would say, and, and there's a split second where I'm defensive because that's automatic, but before I say anything, I switch to an ear statement and say, wow, I can see how frustrated you are. I know you're worried about the deadline we're under on this project at the office, um, and I, I care about you, and I want to see, you know, we'll try to make this uh, better in the future. So there's a sense of wanting to to give the person your empathy, give them your attention, give them your respect, rather than just seeing them as like an object that you're reflecting back to them. 
The other thing is with active listening, you're, you're asking them a lot of questions. And when people are upset, they, they first want to know, do you care about me or do you respect me? And so that's where an ear statement can be helpful rather than trying to ask a whole lot of questions to get the person to be um, talking more because they may feel put upon. Sometimes a barrage of questions is the last thing people want. They just want some empathy. So I think of it as giving something, not just reflecting back what you've heard. Well, you mentioned something a minute ago that I wanted to get back to because you said that often it feels to people when they first start using these ear statements that feels like they're losing. Is that what you said? Or they're uh, giving away, giving up something, putting yourself in the one down. Like, what was that? Uh, what did you mean by yeah. that? Yeah. So sometimes people say, well, if someone's being hostile towards you and you empathize with them, I mean, aren't you giving in to them? Not at all. So you can empathize with them and stand your ground and say, you know, I, I hear your frustration. I know this is a hard time. Um, let's talk about what we can do now. Rather than, it's not an apology. Right. It's, it's, it's connecting with what they are feeling. And it's underneath the anger. So like with the angry person, I'd say, wow, I can see how important the deadline is or worried you are or frustrated. And people go, yeah, you're right. And they tend to calm down because they feel acknowledged what they're experiencing. So it's not giving up. But I might say if you're dealing with someone who's real narcissistic, that if you give them empathy, they may want to say, well, if you really care, then you'll do this thing for me right. that you don't want to do. So with narcissists, you want to emphasize respect. That's the word they like to hear. Sprinkle your conversation with the word respect. Like if you're a parent, I respect your relationship with our daughter. Or at work, you say, I respect your, the good job you did on that project last month. So they like hearing things like that, even buttering up a little bit with respect. Yeah. Uh, you don't give anything up. That's one of the, I mean, the the situation I was talking about earlier was a, you know, a dad who was, you know, pretty personality disordered and very angry and always had the right ideas. And the approach with him was, I just told him how important he was to his kids and how they looked up to him and how much they needed him to model. Right. And and that I needed him to help them. And he really responded to that sort of buttering up or um, and his wife was less than impressed at first. She said, uh, why are you be being so nice? Why are you giving in? And I said, well, no, I want to I want him to be on our side. Right. Um, so it did kind of it can feel like you're giving that up, but it's a technique and it's approach and you're doing it on purpose. Uh, it's not. It's not just random. Um, and, and you're also not changing their personality. Right. You're calming them in the moment. And I think some people feel like if you don't change their personality, then what's the point? Well, high conflict people aren't going to change their personality for you, maybe over 10 years of your statements, but they'll calm them in the moment. That's the key. It's a technique to calm people in the moment.
Okay, so I got an email. It said uh, it's from a teacher, or they called uh, and just wanted to say that they really appreciate the show and that all of this is applicable for her in the classroom. Um, it seems like a great approach with kids. Is that uh, is that one of the chapters? I can't remember. For teachers, I know there's a, a bunch of chapters in there based on different professions, but um, how would it be applied in, in the classroom for teachers? I, I totally agree, and there isn't a chapter on it for teachers in particular, okay, yeah. but there are examples of parents and children yeah. and how to talk to the kids. So it certainly is something, and I think teachers learn that they need to do this uh, over time. I've done some trainings uh, for teachers, and they like the techniques. So it's uh, helpful, and the other thing is teaching the kids to give each other some empathy and say, you know, maybe one of the kids is sad and another kid comes up and says, sometimes I feel that way too. Right. And that's empathy and that's something to be encouraged. So I totally agree. I think schools are a great place. And I tried to write it really at the high school level. Uh -huh. So I'm hoping that high school kids, uh, college students will find they can use this and use it right away because they, they have so much negativity coming at them. And this turns negativity around into positive. They can learn that skill while they're young. It'll help them their whole lives. Yeah, and I, I cannot emphasize enough that it's not about giving up boundaries or losing. Um, the boundaries can be kept and your assertiveness can be kept. Uh, with these ear statements. It's not saying, oh, you're right, whatever you want, like you said, or apologizing. But can you talk a little bit about one other thing, which I talk to my clients about who are sort of this like heightened amygdala response because people who grow up in, in traumatic homes often have a you know, much quicker trigger uh, on these like fear responses and develop defensiveness and their own aggression to respond to that threat. Um, but can you talk a little bit uh, about what oh, – now I totally I, – I got too sidetracked, and now I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, oh, I know what you mean. I feel that way too sometimes. <laughs> you're, you're giving me some, yeah, some ear statements. Um, all right. I, I lost that train of thought. But um, – yeah, can you take us out, like, I guess we're coming up towards the end of it, but, like, what other, oh, I now remember what it was. If you can predict it, you can prevent it. So when we're talking about ear statements and going into a situation where you know there may be some conflict, can you talk a little bit about pre preparing yourself and how you create that sort of uh, attitude of mind where you're not going to let someone trigger you? Yeah. What I, what I find, and that's the uh, at the end of the book, is the chapter on giving yourself ear statements. Yes. And I, I do that before going into a high-conflict meeting or mediation. I call it putting on my armor. And mm -hmm. I remind myself, Bill, it's not about you. It's about their difficulty managing their emotions. And, Bill, you're not responsible for their outcome. You're only responsible for assisting them with the mediation or legal information or whatever my role is. And so I find 
it makes it easier. So by giving yourself ear statements, even putting post-it stickies on the bathroom mirror, which I've done sometimes, can really help you not get hooked in. And people talk sometimes for therapists, uh, lawyers, judges, uh, counselors, is uh, compassion fatigue. Right. And the thing is, if you feel responsible to fix every situation that comes your way, you're going to be exhausted. But if you can have compassion, some empathy, attention, and respect for your clients, help them with problem solving, do your part. That's the key is do your part. You're not responsible for the outcome, but do your part to help people. You can still feel good even though it's exhausting. And I think that's the key is trying to give yourself empathy, attention, and respect. Um, I think that's a great point because positive self-talk, kindness to self. I mean, we are often our own worst critics. Um, statements like, I'm, I'm stupid. Why do I always screw that up? Uh, you know, I'm worthless. And But to to challenge those with your own ear statements to yourself, I really liked um, that part of the book. It was a, a nice addition that treating ourselves with kindness and compassion and empathy is is really really important. Yeah, and I think you know the more people around you that practice this method also can be helpful. So I have people one that giving it to their work group. Um, there's a mediation center where I've done a lot of my mediations over the last few years, and and they bought a bunch of them for the other mediators, and now they can say. Well, remember to give them an ear statement and everyone knows what they mean. So I think groups of people, I think, you know, it could be uh, like groups of teachers, uh, church groups, um, in sports uh, where people get really heated sometimes, especially parents, um, that this can be a real helpful thing. And I even tell people, think of it when the holidays come. This might be a gift to a college student or somebody like that so i think we all can use this for ourselves as well as for others it reminds me of martin luther king hate does uh not defeat hate right only love defeats yeah. hate all Turn right bill well, thank you so much for joining us again it's always a pleasure to pick your brain and and learn from you so thanks for coming on thank you all right next week dr justin clark will catch us up on the latest information on covid 19. His guest will be our physician, Ben Wesley. So be sure to tune in for that discussion next Wednesday. My thanks to Line One producer Adlon Baxter and to audio engineer Tobin Shelby. For all of us at Line One, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Until next time, I'm Prentice Pemberton. Have a great day, Alaska. Line One is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the host and participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Learn more about Line One and listen online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media.